This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak, and this is episode 227 with Michelle Hoffman. Michelle is an author, coach, and speaker. She wrote the book Life Worth Living, a practical and compassionate guide for anyone who has experienced a major life role change, such as becoming a widow and sole parent. Life Worth Living draws on proven processes and ideas on walking through the logistical, legal, financial, and emotional issues you may face as a widow and sole parent, as well as the psychology and neuroscience of moving through grief and moving on. Now, even though I haven't been through the form of grief that Michelle speaks about, I found myself feeling so tapped into her story. I think that sometimes, you know, you don't have to go through what someone else is going through in order to receive the wake-up call that they have had. Reading about someone who has lost someone else, to me, makes me so much more aware of the people that are in my life and how to treat them now and how to appreciate them now and how to lean into them now. Because, unfortunately, the reality is you never know. And I think one of maybe the the worst lies that we tell ourselves is that we are invincible. And therefore, our interactions with people, we hold them to lower standards because we think, oh, we'll always get another chance. Reading Life Worth Living and talking to so many of the guests that I've spoken to at this point makes me rethink that, rethink that invincibility and say, what if we don't have another chance? What if this is the chance right now? And it's not even about losing someone that, you know, oh, this is the last chance we might lose them next. You can't go through your life living in fear and panic that everyone is going to go missing and that your life is at every corner a state of loss. But really, this is our chance at the very least to connect with someone, to impact them, to share something, to receive something even with them, to experience this unique moment in time together. So keep that in mind. Now, I thought I was going to be spending this episode bawling my eyes out just like I was when I was crying, reading Life Worth Living. But Michelle is a burst of life and energy. And we ended up focusing much more on dating, which she specializes in now and she helps clients with. So it's kind of perfect for me. We were able to break down one of my dates. Now, keep in mind that... This is just one side of the story. This is just one side of the date. This is just one side of the person that I was dating. You know, I feel awkward about sharing these moments because this isn't the full picture, but it's some of the picture. And I'm thankful for Michelle because she helped me address, I don't want to call them issues, but some things that were coming up. She helped me process the date, specifically what happens when there's a difference in core values. 
and how when you're trying to receive approval from someone that is outside of your core values, it's never going to happen. And so it's kind of wasted energy. I mean, at this point, is it even a date if you're not processing something afterwards? Oh my God, I am finally experiencing the full-bodied experience of dating in New York. You know, I'd always heard these horror stories. I won't call mine horror stories, but they're intriguing to say the least. They are intriguing. Oh my, I can't wait to just one day put it all down into a book. What I learned by finally leaning into dating apps, uh, the tool that I had been avoiding, emphasis on avoiding all the years until the pandemic hit. Anyway, so you're going to hear about that date. And before we get into that part of the episode, I'm going to share with you just a soundbite of what Michelle said about grief. It's too good, really too good not to share. And if it resonates, then you should definitely go read her book, Life Worth Living. But if you're here and you're dating, this episode is for you. And the dating portion starts about 10 minutes into this episode. You're going to hear Michelle break it all down for you. Thank you, as always, for being here and spending your time with us. Also a reminder that if you leave a rating and review, I'm doing something new. And if you send me a screenshot of that review to break upward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D at iCloud.com, then you can get 30 minutes free with me. And we can talk about all things relationships and you. Just send me a screenshot of your review and I will be happy to meet with you over the phone. Here we go, episode 227 with Michelle Hoffman. So here's how it rolls. The interviewer asks me, you know, what would you tell someone who loses a loved one? What would be your greatest advice for them? So here I am, soul leaves my body. And it's like time stands still. So I felt like I was in limbo for a while and I had time to think things through. I don't know. There should be some scientific study on that when, you know, fight, flight, freeze, ally, whatever the options are. I guess I was in freeze and think it through. And I'm like, why did he just ask me about how would I help someone through loss? I mean, granted, I'm a widow and I just wrote an international best-selling book. But you couldn't (laughs) figure out why he was asking you that? (laughs) You know, a practical and compassionate guide to navigating widowhood and soul parenting. And I'm like, that sounds so, it sounds like such a really hard, terrible time. Why would you ask me that question? When from my perspective, this book is really about pulling life together Mm. and seeing the reason for getting up and purpose and living your best life Mm -hmm. and actually, you know, living your life worth living the name of the book Mm -hmm. and enjoying it. And you're still alive and you're here to find and pursue your own happiness and make an impact in the world and create a legacy of love. And I'm like, why would he ask me something about widowhood and people and loss? And I'm like, well, I'm just going to tell him what I really think about that. So my soul came back into my body and uh, I'm like, I'll tell you how I would help someone through any trauma, not just the loss of a loved one, 
but any big developmental life transition. And we go through them. It's more prominent when you're little and you're going from being an infant to, you know, a crawler to a toddler to go through puberty. And then we're, you know, individuals and we're finding our purpose and our passion. And maybe then we decide to partner. We might even welcome new children into the world, new people into the world, whatever, however we do it. We may be launching them. We may be changing relationships. We may be on the heels of a heartbreak, you know, whatever it is, all of those transitions are major life changes. And this story that I've written, this self-help guide, this the reason people were coming to me from all over the world is because I was helping them through it to be confident, competent, and strong, and just really enjoy life without all the stress and overwhelm and anxiety and fear and inability to trust yourself in relationships or advocate for yourself. So I came back into my body and I'm like, I'll tell you what I would tell them. It's all grief. Grief is complicated. It's ambiguous. Grief roams the house at night and smothers the children. And when you're trying to get something done, grief blurs your vision by filling your eyes with tears while you're driving. And when you're really trying to accomplish something or make a difference, grief slams your head against the wall, drops you to the kitchen floor, puts its foot on your neck, and prevents you from breathing or seeing your future. (gasps) And he was like, whoa. (laughs) And I'm like, if you invite grief in to the kitchen table to have a cup of tea and conversation and really figure out what grief holds so it doesn't have a hold on you, what do you treasure in that experience that you can honor so that your grief can actually move you forward instead of holding you back stuck? in some aspect of your life. I had two clients in one week approach me and say, I need your help. I have a potentially relationship ending discussion I need to have with my partner. And I don't want to end my relationship, but we do need to have this discussion. And I'm all about bringing up difficult topics so that you can open communication, trust, and respect. And I'm like, okay, here are the three easy steps. And if you do the three easy steps the way I've just described them to you, you're going to have great sex tonight. And the next day, the first one comes back to me and she's like, I did the three easy steps exactly as you said. (sighs) Oh. We were closer than we've ever been. And oh my God, we had great sex last night. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then the next one, I didn't hear from her the next day. Uh-huh. Or the next day. Uh-huh. It was the third day that they were still having sex. And she's like, I did the three easy steps, just like you said. I had so much anxiety. I really thought this was going to be the end of my relationship with this amazing person. And I was very nervous about this. I'm so glad I called you. I did the three easy steps exactly like you said. And I really have not had time to call you because we've been having sex. Wait, what are the steps? What are the steps? (laughs) What are the steps? The steps are very customized to each scenario, but the three easy steps essentially are to understand that every relationship goes through the same process. 
from chemistry to casual to committed. And given a situation, you want to ensure that the triad of communication, trust, and respect are in place so that you can amplify and escalate a relationship. Either it's something amazing or it's something challenging, but you can do it in such a way that it brings you together more. So the three easy steps given the scenario is really to set the stage and have a communication that is respectful and in partnership where somebody doesn't feel like they have to be gaslighted or pulled to actually be present and support one another in the conversation. Uh, That would be step one and set the stage. Step two is really understand what's going on with each person and the why and ensure that each person can be present. Sometimes my clients call it, they call it the gratitude sandwich of doing the positive. Then you've got the real issue you need to address and then support and reinforce you know, the acknowledgement of how well this is going. And step three is really having the end in mind first. So you know where you're going and you can start with the end in mind saying at the end of this conversation, what I would like to have happen is orgasms or whatever together, you know, because if you start a conversation without a direction, your partner might actually think that this is a relationship ending conversation. Wow. And then they blur their vision blurs, grief sets in, they don't hear anything. You're absolutely right. Wow. Right. So I customize the three easy steps because when you're in it and you're about to have that conversation, if you have enough time to call your relationship coach, they're like, I need your help right now. I'm like, okay, here you go. And then I have to think them through and go, here it is. Sometimes I, they literally need the words to say. They kind of figuring out what to bring up, how to bring it up. And I don't do this for myself, but I see that clients, they like to write it all down. They like to talk it through. They like to plan in advance and figure out how they're going to say it. Essentially, it's like preparing for a sport or a presentation, you want to put as much in place as possible so that you feel grounded and you are stabilized. And then with, and sometimes, you know, someone who's, I'm definitely a person who writes things down. I have stacks and stacks of papers that I never even need to refer to, but I'm a kinesthetic learner. So the act of writing helps me integrate what I'm understanding. So that's sometimes they need that or just, I mean, one of my superpowers is words. So I have words where sometimes people are lacking them just because like you said, when you're the one in the shock, in the situation, you can't, it's, it, you get muddled. You're going through the grief and the trauma. And the, so if someone can come in and help support you with the steps and the guidance and the words, then you have enough in place that when you are faced with your version of the snakes being thrown at you <laughs> or the cameras going up or your traumatic moment, you have so much of it stabilized. There are fewer variables that actually might even just knock you a little bit. You're ready. You know what I mean? It's rehearsal. It's like dreaming first. Oh, I like that. It's like a rehearsal. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, do you feel like there's a common fear that your clients experience? Yes. This one's easy. Are you ready? This is very, very valuable. There are only 
two reasons, primarily two reasons that relationships are out of alignment. Only two. It's really hard to figure it out when you're in it, but there are really only two things that push relationships out of alignment. Number one, someone is not feeling like they are enough. And not feeling like you're enough could result in many, many different things. It could be the other person. You could be outsourcing your happiness. You could be um, not satisfied with yourself. Uh, You could be a giver and giving so much that you've trained your partner to be a taker rather than a receiver and giver back. Trained them. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For whatever reason, maybe the expectations externally from other aspects of your family or leaders or teachers or caregivers where you're just not enough. And so we give and we end up with burnout or overwhelm or anxiety or frustration or disappointment in ourselves, or we work so superficially that the internal work is not done. So number one reason that relationships fall out of alignment is because somehow your core values are not in sync. That would be putting core values in alignment And seeking someone with similar, they don't have to be exactly the same core values, but similar core values is actually much more enduring than hobbies, activities, geography. I know, it's ridiculous. Thank you. I mean, everyone needs to hear this. Stop trying to connect over hobbies. Start connecting (laughs) over core values. Right. Because the hobbies can come and go, Mm -hmm. but the core values are going to remain there. So if something's out of alignment, if you're seeking approval from somebody who has a different set of core values than you, and oh Mm -hmm. my God, I have the most incredible client. And she was doing this. She's like, my father was the greatest father ever. And I couldn't wait for him to come home from work. We would share Um, news, world news. We would share conversations about, you know, what we want to be in the world and how uh, we shoot arts and sciences. And I mean, it's just this incredible relationship. She's like, he was really the greatest father in the whole world until he left. And he was in a situation. The reason he left was Maybe because he was not feeling enough, but there was another reason. And it's the reason number two, that relationships don't work. And it's because he wasn't feeling lovable. I wasn't feeling lovable. He wasn't lovable. This woman, I mean, as a child, she was definitely loving on her daddy, right? Right. And the, I, you know, the situation with his partner, his wife, her mom, In fact, it had nothing to do with them. He was not feeling lovable in himself. He was not convinced that he was lovable. So he started another family and the same thing happened. He wasn't feeling lovable. Very successful professionally, but people often won't trust themselves in intimate relationships and they don't know how to navigate obstacles. So he started a third family. And now he, you know, the, my client is all grown up, very successful, and he's now an elderly gentleman who is ill and in and out of the hospital. And his third family is looking to her, the oldest child, to see, could you please step in and provide financial, emotional security like he did? And she's like, I've been envious of you my whole life. 
You have gotten my father's attention. Really? I need to take his role for you. And she's coming to me saying, I really want my dad to say, I love you. And he won't do it. And so she's visiting him in the hospital and saying, you know, dad, what is up? How come you can't say this? And he'll just say, oh, you know how you are. Hmm. Like, hmm. She's calling me at this point. And this wasn't a place for the three easy steps. This was for a different lesson. And essentially what we discovered is when she was small, she was idolizing him. They did have uh, values, core values that were similar because he set them for her. However, his value system changed because he never felt lovable. So now she's seeking approval for someone outside her core value system. She was never going to get it. It's such a good thing that we had these conversations because she did understand that she could learn to accept her father for who he is and the gifts he's brought to the world. So going back to our first conversation about identify what this grief or situation or trauma holds that you treasure and honor it. So she did and she honored him and she loved him for exactly who he is and the impact he's had on the world and the legacy that he leaves behind, including her. And she understood that and she felt calm and peace and satisfaction and purpose and safety in her heart. And he passed away. And it's beautiful that she was able to connect with him before that because she understood how he is valuable, but she doesn't need to seek his approval with because his core values were different than hers. Mm, That's really powerful because at the end of the relationship, if someone is feeling rejected by someone and they're not getting that approval, they might not look for any reason to honor them anymore. Absolutely true. And isn't it funny that we search and keep pressing and trying to be enough? Hello, did you hear the number one reason that relationships don't work? And we seek approval from someone who's never going to give it. 80% of the time, we're seeking approval from somebody who's never going to give it. If you see that from someone else who you care about, you're going to be like, come to me because I authentically love you for exactly who you are. Seek approval here with someone who's in your core value system. Oh, God. (laughs) No, it's just, it's reminding me of a date I went on, my second date. He was really big on you know, what are your core values? And one of his core values is really being experimental in the world. Part of that is experimenting with drugs, but it's always been something that I really take issue with in my life. You know, goes back to my childhood and stuff and and wanting to feel like I want to hear other people's stories, but I don't want to say yes to everything in life. I've said yes to pills before and become totally hooked on them. And I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to try everything. That's one core value that is different. So he knows that about me. He tells me later that he starts to feel rejected by me. Oh, because you didn't want to play his reindeer games. You weren't going along with his reindeer games. You weren't going along with everything that he wanted and liked. No. So then he was feeling. And I don't conform. And I don't conform. Yeah. I mean, I think because I stood, I didn't budge on it. Like, you know, I ended up asking him, uh, 
I forget what the exact question was, but would you, would you be comfortable being with someone? Because he made it to, oh, it's no big deal. Would you be comfortable being with someone though that, that couldn't do that with you or wasn't going to do it? He goes, no, I, I would have hold no judgment against them. I mean, unless they never wanted to do it, he said. Try it once, <coughs> just once. But you know how that goes. You try it yeah. The idea is to do it once so you like it so you'll keep on doing it, okay? So I didn't budge on those things. Ends up feeling rejected. Wait, he was feeling rejected, not you. By me, not me. He was feeling rejected okay. by me, by these things coming out that were different about our core values and, and how I kind of stay firm in that with myself. It's okay mm-hmm. if someone wants to do it, but in these moments, I mean, it can't distance. So he comes back to me later, you know, you know, maybe an hour and a half into the date and tells me like, Hey, I'm just kind of coming back. I'm, it took me a while. I was feeling rejected. Ended up witnessing since that second date. And I feel sad sharing it is these confessions about how in my presence, because how people respond to me versus him, he feels less than, and I've seen how he's been trying to seek my approval. So hardcore by sending me bathroom selfies of himself, things around his house. Yeah. No, because he thinks, you know, like that's where he really looks attractive. And, you know, if, if I saw that, I would have desire for him. And by showing me all, just trying so hard to win mm-hmm. my approval. And it just reminds me, like you're saying, like, why not just believe me that I'm not the one to give you that green light? It doesn't mean like he was confused, like we were connecting. And I go, my blessing and a curse, you probably feel this. My blessing and a curse is I connect with almost everyone. Mm. It doesn't mean I choose them for myself. Correct. Correct. Everyone knows this, you know, in a a more um, superficial way, because we know that we behave differently with different people. So you are connecting. So it sounds like going into a little bit of a deep dive of from chemistry to casual to committed. It sounds like this is going to help you with this understanding of this. Every relationship goes through, from my observation, through the same process. When you encounter someone for the first time, for example, the law of attraction literally draws you in and brings you closer. It's the cells, when cells come together, they're literally vibrating. And so are you. It's so exciting. Your body chemistry changes. There's a serotonin rush. There's this endorphin rush, the oxytocin cuddle drug. It's like this euphoria of eating so much chocolate. You're like, "Ah." (laughs) and you can't stop thinking about this experience, this person, this anything, you know. And you want to get closer and connect and be curious and learn more. And just a little sidebar, sending you those selfies was his way to try and encourage you back into this chemistry phase of let me be present in your thoughts and in your minds and let me share who I am with you because I want to push you back into this chemistry phase Mm -hmm. where everything is just so delicious. Yeah, Yeah. it's keeping you enticed, keeping you enticed. And everything is right. It's very interesting because it really feels like everything is right. And it's just nirvana perfection. Mm -hmm. And he was probably feeling, I love that he was able to articulate uh, confessions of uh, a romance. I love this, that he could actually say what was going on. Um, that he's feeling less than, or he's not getting enough from you. It kind of speaks to his attachment styles, but 
Um, and he was wanting more because he's like, mm, you are amazing and delicious and I can't get enough. Then what happens is he was trying to stay in this chemistry phase. You are actually moving into the casual phase of a relationship and it's not cut and dry ever, but you're moving into the casual phase and there's really wonderful things that happen in the casual phase. Casual is me saying, let's go for lunch. So you're right. Okay. So great things can come from the casual phase. Okay. Oh my God. Yes. Because let's go for lunch is like, I want to connect with you and I want that feeling. And literally when you arrive at lunch and you encounter each other again, for the first time, you get the chemistry hit again. So it's a very nuanced cycle, but very simply in the casual phase we get to anticipate what we enjoy when we are together. Like, mm, we're going to go to lunch. We get to be together. We might talk about some things. We're going to stimulate ourselves through our senses, through sight, through smell, through sound, through touch. I missed one. Oh, my God. We're going to lunch. Taste. What are you doing for lunch if you're not eating it? You know, you were, you we're sharing an experience. Maybe it's even a new restaurant. So there might be an adrenaline hit. Oh, because he's we're finding a place that I've never been to before, he says. But I, keep, right. I mean, this guy is Ooh, looking good. for the spot that I just have to keep going back to, he says. So, yes. Right. So he really wants to be associated with something positive, which is another really good thing to do when you're connecting with someone because that connects you with a positive experience. He's good, this guy. Oh, he went um, and got caught tickets to a concert for me because he knows I'm all about music. Found mm. a band that is totally up my alley and took me there. And by the yeah. way, he knows that I only do long distance usually. So he is really selling the whole thing about what it could be like to actually date in New York City. So it's like, <laughs> I mean, he's he knows what he's doing, but go on, go on. I won't cut you off. That's okay. And, you know, it's interesting to hear, you know, that this is, it's in line with your experience. Right. It uh, is. It's always good to reinforce that my observations, my experience, my, you know, 100%. and what I'm doing is, is accurate and working. Cause I've, I'm so excited. I get to help people with this go from lonely to love. And it's like, ah. okay. So in this casual phase, there's also another really key thing that happens. And this is where you were at and he was not. And what was going on based on what you shared? I mean, because all he was doing a chemistry phase gorgeously. Yes. Oh my God. To Ooh. the I mean, to the top. You should have seen when he kissed me, he mm. I had work in like four hours. I had like a really early shift. And the way that he kissed me, and then he was just like, just cancel, just cancel, as if we were in this romance story. And I was just yeah. like, the audacity. To, it was just when you're not there, but at the same time, when you are there, that is what you want to hear someone say. Just oh, like, yeah. I'm all about only you. It's you and me in the world. Mm-hmm. It's all that matters. The bubble, the bubble. The bubble, like when you're dancing and everything else is a blur. Blurs, everything else blurs. 100%. And after grief, as you know, where everything blurs away, this is a new, mm-hmm. like the safety of everything can blur, but it's just the two of you. Oh my God, wait, I got to just tell you. But then you, we have this bubble, you know, usually you're enamored, especially like let's reverse it. If if you really are attentive to someone and this is a person you've been wanting to meet that can accept you, which she thinks I am, of course, everything blurs. But then you have someone like me 
And he's like, you're treated like a celebrity when we're out. People are like, and so they're coming into our bubble. When you're with someone, it's supposed to be everyone is actually away from you. But my personality and the attention I attract, everyone's coming in. There was a guy that said to him, because I heard a guy say, I'm just lonely when I was walking out the door. So I said something to him and he was just like, wow, by that I came up. And the guy I was on a date with comes back and the guy goes, this woman is like another level. He goes, she's yeah. better than you. She's better than you. Oops. How does that happen in life where someone is already feeling rejected and here the universe gives them that message? Mm. And so it's just weird when I understand the bubble and I've been in it when I'm with someone. But then I look back and I was like, wait, people were like invading our bubble. What is that about? <laughs> people were breaking through. People were popping that bubble. Well, you were inviting them to. I was. I was reaching out. And you you had to ask yourself, like, I think about that. And I totally was. I mean, it is a bit of who I am. I've been single for a while. That's definitely part of it. So it's kind of like I'm still playing with the world, but I realized I did invite that. And that's another reason why I don't think I should keep going out with him. What if that's hurtful for him? Well, the, okay. So there's, there's a couple different questions in there and you're talking actually about where we're at. Cause there's a key element that happens in the casual phase. And that is, you know, in chemistry, we look for what's right and casual it's presented to us, or in this case, you had a stranger make a perception and it was really up to you at that point to hear a comment, anything, and then give it, I call it on the obligation Richter scale, give it a value or not. So if a, you know, a two-year-old said that, um, you wouldn't give it, you may not give it any credibility. I actually, this young woman who was, we had people over for dinner and this young woman said, this is your boyfriend. Oh, she goes, you can do better than that. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, it's just unreal. And I was like, well, thank you for the compliment, but actually, you know, he and I are very happy together. So it was really my opportunity to go to my boyfriend and say, and make light of it and make a joke of it. That's a compliment to me, but in reality, I'm so happy to be having this pillow talk with you together. So you were given an opportunity to reinforce what was valuable about him. You're absolutely right. It was such an invitation to reinforce, but it was also for me, it was like an invitation to evaluate. Like I kind of, I have to be aware and I also have to look out to like how they respond to it because I can't always come in and lift them back up after it. You sh- you don't have to. Here's the deal. Like I said, on the obligation Richter scale, that you held value, you hold a pretty high value, like a nine ten, to that comment because it gave you something to push against. It made you aware of something that mm-hmm. you really did have to look at. Mm-hmm. So when this young woman said her comment, you know, I'm not giving. I'm giving it a zero to a one right. value. Right. But in your case you know, and I was just making fun of it, but in your case, someone said something that's, I mean, I bet a whole bunch of people said a whole bunch of things. This resonated and you brought it in and you needed to evaluate. How do you feel about this? Mm -hmm. Because you can only change yourself. You can't change other people. 
So you can change yourself and then the reflection from the other people could change. So you were like, hmm, what is not quite right here? And that's what happens in the casual phase. So this is where it's really important to know what your red flags are and what your green lights are. Okay, so in the chemistry phase, we see the red lights and we see the the green and yellow lights. This is when people come to me and go, is this something I need to look out for? And I can help people clear the yellow lights so that they're green lights instead of red flags. Um, But if there's a red flag, you had a red flag because what was happening is he was asking you to behave in a way that you are not comfortable And you were able to advocate for yourself and have boundaries and say, I'm not, this is imposing on my life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. And if he, he was expecting you to accept him for who he is Mm -hmm. at the same time, he wasn't willing to reciprocate because he wanted you to come on his sleigh Mm -hmm. ride. I was saying reindeer game, but Love that, the sleigh ride. S-L-A-Y. Oh, my God, yeah. Whoa. (laughs) That's what this episode is called. Sleigh ride. (laughs) Beyonce. Own it. So he was asking you to be someone who you are not. And in reality, the biggest challenge that people have, I mean, the dating rules of engagement have changed. It's almost impossible to, you know, run into somebody organically in the wild who you can actually connect and meet with in this era. Mm. And so we have to find other ways. And the internet and online dating has provided a really good and acceptable medium to do that. But to do it effectively, you have to know who you are, like mm-hmm. authentically, not who you wish you were or mm-hmm. who you used to be, but know who you are right here now, because who you were interested in junior high or high school is different than who you're interested in your 20s, 30s, who you're interested in in your 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s or up is different. You actually are someone different. And whether you believe me or not, you actually desire some different characteristics and traits. So it's very vital to know who you are right now and who with core values is one of the ways I help people do that and roles and identities and who you'd like to invite into your life. When that's clear, that whole like mass of humanity that you need to like sift through to find your person gets a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. We sometimes get help writing a resume so that we can actually succeed professionally and be seen and stand out. People forget that their online or their personal profile, whether you're dating online or not, it's important to know who you are. Your personal profile is the resume, so to speak, for your relationships, all your relationships. So in the casual phase, we then figure out what does not work for us. And, you know, looking to escape and have or have adventures through mind altering experiences is amazing for some and not for all. Mm-hmm. So when you're putting together your Venn diagram of who is appropriate for you, we got to figure that out very quickly so that we can zero in on who you would like to attract. Once you're clear, they come to you. So um, you put all of that in place. And then when you 
you know, connecting with someone, that's when you have the opportunity to use communication, trust, and respect to actually learn about one another. And you can play the this or that and all the games, and it could be super superficial, or you could go a little deeper under the covers and actually find out, is this a good match for you? And when you do that, then you, rather than seeing deal breakers and red flags, when you start seeing green light, green light, green light, or you clear any of the yellow lights to get to the green light, then you move to the committed phase of a relationship. And it's not always walking down the aisle. Da, 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 da. It happens like a spiral, these, this cycle. So the committed side of the relationship could be we are escalating our communication from an online platform to text. And then it could, you know, I've cleared you are who you say you are. And nobody's freaking out about proving that they are actually who they are representing. Otherwise, you're going out on a date with somebody who can never meet their own expectations of yours. So be authentic about who you are. And then, you know, so now we're going and it's like, "Ah, this is very exciting. Now we can up level the relationship to going out on a date. In real life or meeting up somewhere and having a coffee and seeing if that chemistry happens when we're actually, you know, in person, eye to eye, the verbal and nonverbal communication, it starts to jive. It gets very exciting. Dating can be so much fun Mm -hmm. when you do it right and you have the tools in pocket. Otherwise, if you have your tools in your pocket. Oh, I thought you were like the pocket as like enough money in your pocket or something. Deep no, pocket. no, I'm, I'm actually like, people are like, oh, I can't date until I'm wealthy enough. I just yeah. talked to somebody through this the other day. I can't date until I lose weight. I can't be in a relationship until I get my promotion or I get a fancy car. I'm like, really? You're going to wait for those things to happen to share your life with someone? Be with someone who enjoys creating that with you. Yeah. Allow the relationship to support you and lift you up. My goodness. God, so com- I needed that like, message too. Thank you. There you go. Girl. So that could be, we're going on a date. It could be, you know, oh, let's call each other boyfriend and girlfriend. Then you go swoom into the chemistry phase and you can say, oh, my boyfriend and I are blah, blah, blah. And it literally pumps out the oxytocin going, hmm, I have moved in my dating strategy closer to my ultimate goal. And then you might move in together and discover that he doesn't spoon the spoons in the spoon drawer and go, that's a deal breaker. You know, whatever it is, you know, it's like, what is it that is not in alignment with the chapters in your life and love story? It's so much fun. Tell my audience where they can find you. If you are looking to attract, keep and enjoy the right love in your life, go to relationshipping101.com. You can download a free gift there, the essential tips to develop your online profile that will really work. And if you just don't feel like you can do it on your own, set up a dating strategy call with me, relationshipping101.com. And I want to know how I can bring you from lonely to love because life is better with good love in it. (laughs) 
If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, at BreakUpward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D, Com. And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website, breakupward.com slash shop, where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone.